0: That's how you celebrate the resurrection, amen? Wow. I know you're glad you're here already, because, man, I am. I got to do this twice today already. it has been awesome. So glad you're here. We are here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was dead, but he is alive today. Amen, amen. You know, when he, uh, on that third day, when morning broke, he did something he hadn't done in three days. He did something that he couldn't do for three days. He took his first breath as a new resurrected Jesus. Everything was different on that day. He was the resurrected Lord. He got a new body. He breathed in new life as a picture of what he wants us to experience. You and I are born dead in our sin. We cannot breathe in God's peace, hope, forgiveness, and grace because we're dead. We can't breathe all of that in, but he sent his son so that you and I could have that removed and breathe in life from God. Life that fills your soul. Life that gives you peace. Life that helps you put your head on your pillow at night and know with confidence everything is right with my God. Yeah. I'm telling you, that'll make you breathe. And if you don't have that, you're spending this life choking You're choking on your own entertainment. You're choking on your own ways. You're choking on your life because you cannot breathe. It's fascinating how God has designed our physical body to be a picture of spiritual truth. He's created us with a respiratory system and lungs that are designed to take in oxygen. That's their role, to breathe it in and take that oxygen and your lungs have this powerful ability, By by the way, you know they were created by God, they didn't evolve from some lower life form, amen? I'm telling you, they were designed by God with intricate engineering that would breathe in oxygen and put that oxygen into the bloodstream, and with the power of your heart pumping that blood would send new life-filled blood to every part of your body. If you didn't have lungs, that couldn't happen. It's part of the breathing that your body does. And in the same way, you and I were designed to breathe in the truth and goodness of God that it might flow with the blood of Christ into every area of my life. Every area. Not just pieces and parts and Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, but just every part of who I am that I might know full life. And if you've ever had breathing issues before, you know how difficult it can be to walk through life if you can't breathe. If you've struggled with asthma, COPD, pneumonia, or even allergies this past week, can I get an amen? Or if you ever had COVID, like I did, you might have gone to the doctor. You might've gone to the ER, you might've gone to the hospital and they took an X-ray of your lungs because COVID has an effect on your ability to breathe. And the ER doctor told me that my lungs looked like most COVID patients, a glassy lung look, they said. It's kind of like your shower doors that are frosted if you have a shower door, if you've seen that in a home and it's not clear. He said, your lungs, begin to develop a consistency or a look like that. And it prohibits your body from taking in oxygen, much needed life, sending it to the bloodstream. So you develop shortness of breath, you develop other symptoms along the way. And one of the worst symptoms to COVID is the potential development of a blood clot. Now that it's serious all of a sudden. Blood clots can form in different parts of our body and they can travel to the lungs. And if a blood clot makes it to the lung, it can be devastating to your physical health because the system that's designed to bring oxygen and blood to your body must always stay open and clear. If it is not, if it is blocked, then it can have devastating results. We all know from the news recently what happens when the passageway that is meant to bring life gets blocked. The Suez Canal rests there between Egypt and Saudi Arabia in that area, that little red line. The Suez Canal is a canal that was, or that is, the place that ships flow through to bring resources to countries around the world. Last year alone, 19,000 ships passed through the Suez Canal, representing 12% of the world's trade. On Tuesday, March 23rd, a ship going through that canal got turned crossways, diagonal, lodged, and blocked the canal. It was wedged, and it could not free itself by its own ability. They began to call upon others to help to no avail. In the meantime, it was costing $9 billion a day because the passageway was blocked. It's hard to grasp what $9 billion looks like. But that comes down to 400 million an hour and 6.7 million per minute. That's crazy. It's still hard to take in. The major passageway was blocked. They finally had to call for help bigger than themselves to help free the ship that blocked the way. 20,000 tons of sand and sludge were dug out and removed. 14 tugboats pushed to help dislodge what blocked life. And they finally freed the ship this past week. 369 ships were backed up waiting to make their way through the passageway. In the meantime, cost soared, resources were limited because any time a passageway that's meant to bring life is blocked, it has devastating results. And whether we're talking about your lungs or the Suez Canal or your own soul, it is critical that we have removed what is blocking the way of life. You know, your soul was meant to be filled with the grace and goodness and forgiveness and peace and righteousness and hope and mercy and love of God flowing to you. You're meant to have that flowing into you. But the thing is, no one is born with that passageway open. You are born blocked. You are born in sin, the Bible says. You are born unable to experience that flow coming into you and it has devastating results on your life. That's why you're selfish and angry and bitter and jealous and greedy and your priorities are out of whack and you resist God and you push God away and you do your own thing, you come up with your own way of living, you come up with your own choices and when you hear what the Bible says, you say no thank you and you push all of that away and all of a sudden you realize, my life is backed up, blocked up and a mess. That's why you put your head on your pillow at night and you can't sleep. That's why you go throughout your day and you can't cause your mind to rest. And you look for everything you can to make it better. You try to medicate it. You try to drink over it. You try to entertain yourself. You try to look for other methods to somehow free the blockage, feel better about the blockage or something, but you know something's not right. You know it. It's because the Bible says you and I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You are blocked. For this reason, God sent his son. He sent Jesus to come here, who lived his life unblocked. He lived fully experiencing the Father's favor, love, peace, power. He knew God. He walked with God, and he told everybody else about who his Father God was. Life flowed from him because life was flowing into him. And he came to free us so that we could experience What he knew. So, what he did is he came and he lived the requirements that were necessary to make that exchange. You see, for someone to unblock our lives, they were going to have to come and live perfect. The Old Testament used a, a system of sacrifices where a lamb was brought as a sacrifice for the sin. If you had sinned, you were required to bring a lamb to the tabernacle as payment for your sin. And there that lamb took your place. The lamb became you and you became the lamb. He took the punishment, you walked away free. When Jesus steps on the scene in the New Testament, John the Baptist says, look, it's the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. He came to take our blockage upon himself so that he could become like us and we could become like him. He would take upon himself the sin, the guilt, the curse the judgment, the blockage. On the cross, he would bear what we deserved so that we could walk away when we receive him free. What a savior. He wanted us to be able to breathe like he breathes. He breathes in closeness with God, joy with God, peace with God. Power with God. And out of his love for us, he became the sacrifice for us because he wanted us to breathe freely. Amen. Our message today is part of our series, Breathe. And today's title is, You Are Now Free to Breathe. The cross and the resurrection change us. And if you walk up into them, you will be able to breathe. Here's what the Bible says about what Jesus suffered on the cross, 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God while you were far away from God, while you were doing your own thing, while you were insisting upon living your life, while you didn't have time to fit God in, while you didn't want God to fit in, and while you were living all blocked up and backed up, God sent his son and he became the unjust. He became the sin so that you could become the righteous. The just one, Jesus took your place there. The lamb became like us so that we could become like the lamb. And he did so to bring us to God. And there on the cross, Jesus became, the Bible says, he became the curse for sin. He experienced in that moment what you and I feel and experience when we sin. You know that terrible feeling of guilt and condemnation and rejection, the pain of isolation, fear, anxiety, shame, all of those. Jesus experienced all of that in multiplied form on the cross, he experienced the blockage. In that moment, he not only knew what we go through, but he became what we go through. He suffered to that extent so that As the book of Psalms describes it, the congregation of evil would look at him and mock and laugh. And he's on the cross. And he's bearing our shame. He's bearing our guilt. And all of evil is laughing and mocking and calling out to him, trying to get him to stop, trying to get him to come and not finish the perfect sacrifice that he was for our sin. And Jesus is bearing it all so that he might bring us to the Father, so that we could breathe freely. And because He became the curse, He had to die. He had to finish the process by dying for sin, just like a lamb that had been chosen to die for the sins of saints in the past. And there on the cross, Jesus did something that he had not done up to that point. He surrendered himself over to death. Death in that moment had power over Jesus. Not because death was more powerful, but because Jesus yielded himself to death. He surrendered himself to the darkness, the vileness, the ugliness, the cruelty of death. Death in that moment had dominion over Jesus. Now, it's hard to imagine the one we call King of kings and Lord of lords having anything have power over him. But because he wanted you to know what it's like to breathe, he yielded himself over to death. Now, the Bible is clear that that day was not the end of days. And you have to always know that you don't ever, ever, ever think God won't finish what he started. You have to never, never, never stop thinking God won't do what he promised. You have to never, never, never think that God can't overcome impossibility. Because on the third day, the Bible says in Galatians, I'm sorry, Acts 2.24, that God raised him from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death could not ultimately win. Jesus surrendered for a time to death, but death was not more powerful than Jesus. Amen. And he could not hold him when the father said it's time. It was time. And he walked out of that tomb. Now, Romans chapter six, a couple of verses we're going to camp in this morning because we're driving to a place. We're going somewhere today. I hope you are listening to what God is saying to you. I sense that God is in this room and he is speaking powerfully even right now that this is a very real message into very real lives that we all are living intended to produce real change in us today. I hope you've not come as an observer, a spectator, but a participant in what God is doing today. Amen? Amen? Romans 6 verse 9, the first part says, Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies No more. Simple truth, powerful impact. Countless lambs had died before. Countless lambs had given their lives for the sin of men and women and boys and girls. Countless lambs had suffered. And not a single one of them ever lived again. But this lamb was different. This lamb came and gave his life as a sacrifice and on the third day rose again and experienced new life in a new body. And one of the characteristics of this new body is you don't die again. That's awesome. You don't experience death anymore. There's just eternity with life, always life. And not just physical death. But there's no more separation. There's no more isolation. There's no more wondering. Where's God? There's always the confidence. There he is. There's no more uncertainty. There's always certainty. Because Christ, when he was raised from the dead, dies no more. And I love what Paul says next. He says, death no longer has dominion over him. The implication is there was a moment when he did. If it was no longer, because on the cross, there was a moment where Jesus surrendered himself to death and death had dominion. But the truth of scripture is no more. Ain't no more. I did it once. I did it to pay for sins, but no more. Death will never again have dominion over Jesus. Now, this is pretty important truth. It's pretty important to realize that Jesus will never have to be threatened by death, never be deterred by death, never be distracted by death again. He will always and forever live now in dominion over death. There's been a a change. A change has taken place. He's not who he was. Death would now bow to Jesus. Death would have to obey Jesus. Death would now be under the dominion of Jesus. There would not have to be another time of suffering, another time of death. Verse 10 says, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. Mm. Paul knows how to pack a punch into a verse. And here he says that when Jesus died, he died to sin. On that day, he took your sin. Now, please understand, I'm not talking about some generalized spiritual churchy concept. I'm talking about your very real areas of failure and sin, where you have stiff-armed God, where you have demanded to do your own thing that thing that keeps you awake at night, that thing that keeps you distracted, that thing that keeps you blocked in life. Jesus on the cross took all of ours and all of those who live before us, all those who are alive now and all those who ever will live and he put that on himself. Can you just imagine taking all the experiences of guilt that this room has alone experienced And put that on one person. It just gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. I I mean, I've struggled to carry my own guilt, much less somebody else's. And here Jesus pays for all of it, and the Bible makes it clear. He did it once, one time. It's done. No more. He's not going to do it again. There won't be a need for it. He paid for it once. Can you imagine, you go to the store, you got your buggy loaded and you go up to the cashier and you pay for it and you start walking out and they say, sir, ma'am, just a minute, you're gonna need to go back there and pay for that. you say, no, I've got my receipt right here. I don't have to pay for it. Yes, you do. At this store, you have to pay for things again. You say, well, it's the last time I'm coming here. Well, sir, if you don't go back and pay for it, I'm going to call the police. <sighs> Can you imagine? You go back in, you're just frustrated, and you pay for it all, and you go back through, and you're going like, oh, I'm glad that's over. Sir? Yes? I'm sorry, you're going to have to go back through and pay for that again? I just paid for it twice. I'm sorry, at this store, you have to pay for it again. That would be the absolute last time you'd ever go to that store again. But let me tell you, that is how a lot of people live their lives today. Even when they've heard that Jesus paid for their debt, they still live their lives trying to somehow make up for it, still trying to pay off their debt, still trying to be good enough to work off their bad enoughs. They're still trying to do enough to impress God. They're going back to the line again and say, here, let me try to pay for this again. No, really, I want to. I want to feel terrible about myself over and over and over again. I want to beat myself up. I want to distance myself from God. I want to make my life miserable as possible by keep paying for my sin. That's how people live today. And Jesus said, "I have come that you may have life. I paid for it once. Stop going back through the line. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, or the Bible says that he came and he died for sin once, for all. once, for all. No more dying. No more suffering. No more repeating it. No more going back through the line. No more reliving the horror of the cross. No more hearing the voices of the evil congregation again. No more seeing the rejection that he suffered. No more of that. Once and for all. But then Paul says in the second half of verse 10, he says, but the life that he lives He lives to God. I'm telling you, when you know your buggy's been paid for, you can walk out of that store like, "Mm mm-hmm, I'm gone. I bought everything and they threw in a bunch of extra stuff and it's all paid for by somebody else. That's what happened to you. If you ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you believed it, Everything you've purchased in your life through your sin or have or will was paid for by Christ and this is now how he lives, amen. So Jesus walks out of the tomb having paid the debt and now he lives differently on the other side of that. It says he now lives to God. He lives knowing the Father is pleased with me. The Father has accepted me. The Father has called me to sit at his right hand. The Father has blessed me. The Father has an inheritance for me. Everything that the Father has is mine. There's nothing between us anymore. I paid it once. I'm done with that. And now Jesus says, I now live to the father. Everything is about that. Everything's about him. And anything that tries to pull me backwards and say, Hey, why don't you go back to that cross again? No, I did that. That's over. Hey, well, why don't you go back because there's some people that are still angry at you. I'm not doing that. I've already gone once. I'm now alive to God. Hey, well, you need to go back because there's some other people who have sinned. They need to have theirs. No, I did that once. I'm done with that. I'm not going back to where I was before. I don't go back to where I was because I'm somebody new now. I'm someone different now. This is Jesus talking. I now live to God. I live because the... the passageway is open. For a while it was blocked for him on the cross, and now it was open. He said, I'm not going back to Blockville. I'm here. I'm alive. And now I live to God. Now, I would say this next part's my favorite part, but every part up to this has been my favorite part. What Paul says in verse 11 is my next favorite part. Here's what he says In the same way, in the same way that Jesus did it, in the same way that Jesus became a sacrifice once for sin, in the same way that Jesus bore our sin, in the same way that Jesus walked out of the tomb. Now, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says, now you, if you believe in him, do the same thing. Do that exact same thing. Live that way. It's interesting you uses this word count here. It comes like a, a directive to us, like someone's telling us something we need to do. And he says, you're going to have to intentionally do this. Which means if you really want to experience the power of God working in your life, it comes with some intention. It doesn't come just accidentally. You don't just drive by the church one day and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I'm feeling spiritual. <laughs> you don't just go through your life one day and you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I have all victory over temptation in my life now, Woo! You don't just all of a sudden in your life say, whoa, I understand the Bible. It doesn't happen. It comes with intention and Paul says, If you wanna know how to breathe, it's gonna take some intention. So here's what you do. Count yourselves to be like Christ. And what is he like? Well, he died to sin once. So here's the deal. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, now do what he has done. Count yourself dead to guilt about past sins. Stop replaying the tape from 1967, 1987, 2007. Stop replaying the tapes. It was paid for once. Stop going through the line to try to pay for it again. Stop going through the line thinking you've got to pay for it again. Shake off the guilt, walk out of your tomb, and be dead to that guilt. Amen. This is what we do. That's what this day of resurrection is all about. You're now dead to paying God back. What made you think you could ever pay him to begin with? What kind of holy currency do you think you have? Who do you think you are that you're that special that you could do enough good deeds to appease the holy God in heaven? What are you thinking? You couldn't pay him back if you lived for eternities. I don't mean for eternity, but for eternities or any eternity. An eternity of eternities. How about that? You could never be good enough. You only receive that through what Christ has done. Live now dead to trying to earn your way. Live now dead trying to prove your worth. Live now dead to letting sin and death have dominion over you. Come on now. I have to talk to myself here as well. I've been talking to myself, but look, you know me and my story, you know, I can easily fall prey to the voice of the enemy when he likes to start pitching fear toward me. But I have to tell myself that is a voice that's not from God. And I'm not going to listen to the voice of fear anymore. When the voice comes along telling you you've got to somehow pay your way, earn your way, prove yourself, prove your worth before God will love you. You have to say to that voice, back off. You're not from my God. My God makes me acceptable in Jesus Christ, not by anything I do. Amen. You have to put yourself dead to those things. Count yourself dead to them. Count yourself dead to all of those. Count yourself dead to being intimidated by the voices of evil, the ones that want to depress you, fill you with anxiety, lead you down dark paths, lead you in the wrong way. Count yourself dead to questioning whether or not the Father loves you. Whew. You got to shut that voice down. You know, it's easy sometimes to look at ourselves and where we're seated and think well, I don't know I just don't know if I have been forgiven I just don't know if he loves me I just don't know uh, if I'm blessed I just don't know that he's he really has a plan for my life I just don't know if I really am free I hear all you're saying I just don't know I just don't know from where I'm sitting today look if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ I'd say you're right you don't know and you need to get that right but if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ here's the deal You may be sitting your rear end down on a chair at 3333 O'Villa Road this morning, but I'm gonna tell you where you are seated. You are seated at the right hand of the Father in Jesus Christ this morning. That's where your real body is, that's where your life is. And so I have to remind myself when I start questioning myself, does he love me? It's not about me, it's about Christ. And Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And if the Father loves him and I'm in him, he loves me. Because yeah. wherever he is, I am. Yeah. So I can ask the question, am, is he going to bless me? Is he going to bless his son? Amen. Yes. Is he going to bless me then? Yes. If I'm in his son. In fact, so much so that Jesus would say this. If you abide in me and, I, and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you desire and it'll be done for you. <laughs> yeah, that's stopping your tracks, won't it? Because that's hard to take in. But if you abide in him and his words abide in you, it's true. Now, if you're just all living your life like you want, messing around, your life's all blocked up and you start asking God for stuff and you got no answer? You can't get life coming in if you're living blocked. You can't get shipment through the Suez if there's a ship stuck in the middle of it. But this is why Jesus came, to free you, to get that ship of blood guilt out of your canal to get that ship of fear out of your canal to get that ship of selfishness out of your canal so that you truly could know life. And he says, I went to the cross and I paid for your sin. Stop paying for it again. I went and I was buried in a tomb and I came out of it so that you could come out of it too. So that you could walk knowing, I am forgiven. I am loved. I have favor from God. I have been blessed with an inheritance. I have been seated with him in heavenly places. I have intimacy with him and I can know him. I can breathe in life. So let's wrap this up this morning. Let's just make it real personal. Just set everybody aside that's near you. I got a mustache hair in my mouth. That's the price you pay. Just set aside everybody else. Set aside your spouse, your kids, and all that stuff. Set aside what this afternoon is, just you, and God right now. What's the passageway like? Is it clear? Is it open? You might be here today and you say, I'm blocked up, bad. I don't know this breathing and Jesus and all this stuff you're talking about. All I know is pain, all I know is my life a mess. And all of a sudden today, there's something inside that's, you hear it, he's speaking, he's calling out to you, come to me, come to me, I'll I'll set you free, I'll show you forgiveness, I'll give you peace. I'll give you what I have because I took what you have already. If that's the case, what you do about that is you say, Jesus, I've made a mess of my life. Would you clear the blockage? I know you sent your son for that. And I thank you. And I love you. And I receive you. I will now live free and clear because of what you did for me. Now you might be here this morning and you took that step sometime back in your life. But right now, you're not experiencing what it's like to truly breathe deeply. It's been a while since you've experienced real peace and love and hope with God. And you've gotten real shallow in your breathing gotten real shallow in your faith. Jesus is a, an afterthought, not a first thought. Jesus is a Sunday morning, maybe thing. And today you hear him speaking to you and he says, let me free you so that you can breathe. Let me help you breathe in forgiveness. Let me help you breathe in life. And that begins with a prayer that says, Jesus, I know you paid for my sin. I breathe in your forgiveness today. And I breathe back out a commitment to walk in your ways, to breathe you in and live you out. Breathe you in and live you out. Would you bow your heads with me? As God is speaking to you today, I pray you will respond. I can't do that for you. A spouse can't do that for you. A parent can't do that for you. This is you. Speak to God right now. Pray to him. Tell him. I wanna breathe. I've been living choked, blocked. I've been shallow breathing, putting you last instead of first. But today, because you forgive, that ends. And I breathe you in today. Father, I thank you that there's forgiveness. There's mercy and there's grace. And you invite us to come And so today, we do that. We cry out for you to cleanse us, clear the way, and we will deeply breathe you in so that we can know your life, so that we can walk in your ways, so that we can know what our Lord Jesus did for us who became like us, so we could become like him. I thank you, Father, for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we get to do something in this service that the first service did not get to experience, and it's the perfect icing on the cake exclamation point at the end of the sentence. We're gonna celebrate today with a baptism. Yeah. Amen. So, I'm going to ask Miss Tanner to come up and her dad. I'm not going to tell you her first name yet. And I'm going to take my coat off because I don't want to get all wet and all that stuff. So, even though she's going to get fully wet, right? Come on up. So, um, this is Stephen, her dad. Y'all come over here and uh, her name is Sunshine. Can you tell by looking at her that that's a perfect name? Yeah. When I got to hear her story, it was even more beautiful. Sunshine wasn't born into this family. Sunshine was born into a different family and there was some pain associated with that family. But God rescued her out of one family and brought her into the Tanner family. And she is a beautiful picture of that kind of redemption and restoration. And so we talked several weeks ago and I heard her story. And then I got to hear how she has been walking through in her heart and mind, what does all this mean? Why did I experience that? What about this? Where was God? Where is God? And she has, how old are you now, Sunshine? 15, has said, I don't know all of the answers, but I've come to know that Jesus has the answers and she wants to live her life for him. Now, Sunshine said, I really don't wanna say anything up here this morning. So that's why she's being quiet and I'm telling her story. I totally get that. It's not easy to walk up on a stage and tell the most difficult parts of your life. But she's about to do something more than just tell you with words. She's about to tell you with her life what it means to be a follower of Jesus. She's about to go all in with baptism Baptism is the most perfect way for us to illustrate today this idea of Jesus died for us and he rose for us because baptism is a picture of that. She's about to be lowered into the water as a picture of Jesus' death, but her death. Sunshine's past is forgiven. And I'll raise her back up out of the water as a picture of Jesus' resurrection, but her resurrection as well she now lives a new life and she lives it to the Lord. And she'll find some of her answers and she'll trust God for all the others, amen? But aren't you grateful for salvation that gives us new life in here? All right, I've probably talked enough for you, right? Let's go. just getting all comfortable. Yeah. Come on in. Yeah. we'll face this way. Perfect. All right. right, good. I'm just a little perfect. All right. I know it's probably going to be intimidating to look that way for just a moment, but I want you to see all these people because many of them have taken this step with you and they celebrate with you. They do. They'll remember this moment and you will too. That's part of why Jesus calls us to baptism. It's a pretty memorable experience. And so I'm excited for new life in you. So I'm going to lower you in the water as a picture of your death, but I'll raise you up as a picture of the new life you have in Jesus. All right. Sunshine, because of what Jesus has done and your faith in him, I bury you in baptism. You're buried with him and raised to walk in newness of life.